Blog Talk Radio. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Not continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well funded. Prices going higher and higher. Ask George Bush's best friend, Big Oil. Big Oil Oil kept U.S. oil reserves in Anwar off limits by paying off the caribou lobby. And who conspired to keep new refineries from being built in the U.S.? Big Oil. And why is Ted Kennedy opposing windmills in Nantucket Sound? Big oil. And who, in 1979, along with the Cardigan Sweater Cartel, made sure that Iran would always be run by unstable lunatics? Big oil. Big oil did all this to make unbelievable profits of nine cents per gallon. So get angry at George Bush and big oil and ignore anything the Democrats have ever done to get us in this mess. Paid for by George Soros and other futures trading friends of Hillary Rodham Clinton. Some of y'all may be saying, it's about time you weighed in on this Trayvon issue, though. Sorry, but unlike a lot of commentators and organizations out there, I'm not eager to load my mental magazine with a bunch of hollow points and shoot off my mouth to do more damage to the situation. Trayvon's death is a tragedy. 
And I can't speak on it with certainty. But there's another tragedy along with this that I am certain of. That being the Afrocentrics getting ashy knuckle anger over this. Yet are pretty quiet about blacks killing each other more than any other ethnic group in America. Afrocentrics call me a sellout. Yet between blacks going in and out of Planned Parenthood to kill their own kind off, violent crimes and making songs glamorizing and fantasizing about killing other blacks, it's not at all hard to imagine hood rats behind hoods and sheep. Now how's that for tragedy? I think what's happened. Blacks kill blacks all the time. Why has the death of Trayvon gotten the Afrocentric so angry all of a sudden? Oops. Sorry, wrong Trayvon. Unfortunately, he was shot to death too. But since his shooter was most likely a black man, who cares? Trayvon's death. Oh, wait. Sorry, that's another Trayvon that was shot to death. My bad. Let's try this again. Oh, dang. Still, the wrong Trayvon. But he was gunned down too. But... I don't remember Al Sharpton calling national attention to his death or the new Black Panther Party putting out a bounty for his killer. Surely by now we've got the right picture of Trayvon. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Still not the right picture. This Trayvon was killed serving our country, so you know he ain't going to get any love because as far as the liberals and Afrocentrists are concerned, he had no business volunteering to go to steal someone else's oil. I guess my point is lots of blacks get murdered all the time. A few have even been named Trayvon. Now... The Afrocentrists will say, oh, well, where were you? What were you doing to help the situation? Uh, I was working on making an honest living and not contributing to the statistic, while people like you call me an Uncle Tom for it, while you still qualify black men who committed crimes against each other as real black men and made excuses for them. I personally don't want to express my speculations about what transpired between Trayvon and Zimmerman. Zimmerman is still innocent until proven guilty, and Trayvon is a young man that lost his life. Whether it was this Trayvon or this one, we don't know why he was killed and certainly shouldn't be considering if he deserved to be killed because of some supposed pictures of him flipping off a camera. Like you don't have pictures of you flipping off the camera. Even George W. Bush has pictures flipping off the camera. Now, here's a prime example of why I'm not so quick to air my opinions about what happened between Trayvon and Zimmerman, because I don't want to sound anywhere near as half-cocked and whacked out as this guy. You, you, you can't arrest somebody. They have not been charged with anything. Um, that's still being investigated. Well, well, according to the street people's law, he has been charged with murder. According to the what? I do believe he said street people's law, Anderson. According to street law. According to God's law. Whoa, Hoss. Don't try to drag God into your laws. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. And that's trying to make a graven image out of him and trying to shape him to suit your ideals. That's a violation of some top ten no-no, sir. You don't seem to speak or read very well. Let's continue. Andrew, I want to say I don't obey the white man's law. I don't follow the American law. The American law, the American law does not protect me, Anderson. I'm not a citizen, so I have no right to respect the American law. I talk about this in my audio book, Weapon of Ass Destruction. Now listen very carefully. Afrocentrics try to make the case that the Constitution doesn't recognize the personhood and rights of blacks, which means that Afrocentrics are to this day still trying to make the same case that the proponents of slavery were making. If those pro-slavery white folks were alive today, their jaws would be on the flow because they'd see these numbskull Afrocentrics trying to interpret the Constitution the way they did. They would say, dang, if only we had these passionate Negroes back in our day making these same arguments for us that the Constitution says blacks are people and have no rights, dadgummit, slavery would still be legal. These mush-minded militants don't seem to understand that interpreting the Constitution as a pro-slavery document is not a display of enlightenment. This dude is a chosen leader because of how much of a victim he can make the black community out to be. Hey, dude, you want some cheese with that wine? They try to look so hard and tough with their berets and their stoic faces, all the while going, boo-hoo-hoo, the white man is so mean to me. And I'll say it again. People like this make the black community look like the biggest bunch of punk sissies on the planet. I'd ask them if they'd just go away, too. But this is how they respond. Trayvon Martin's family, they don't want you there. They don't, they don't like what you're saying. Well, uh, and yet you seem unwilling to listen to that. Uh, we represent the millions of 
black people that want us here today. So we love Trayvon's family, and we will continue to support them in everything we do, but we're calling for justice again. I want to say to Trayvon's family, you got to have a military. You got to have a military to defend your interests. So again, we love you, but we're going to continue to support you, regardless of the millions of white folks and the Uncle Tom Negroes. We're going to continue to stand up for this family. We're going to stand up for justice in America and throughout the world. So are you saying that they are, to use your world, to use your phrase, Uncle Tom, are you saying that about Trayvon Martin's family? Because they're I'm saying they don't the want Negroes you. Who are complaining. I didn't say them. I say the Uncle Tom Negroes who are complaining about the presence of the new Black Panther Party. But, but, but his I family is complaining about your presence. His family is complaining well, about I your presence. Well, I would love to sit down with them. They don't, apparently they don't to want down. to. I think it's white folks that's complaining. So quick to call someone else an Uncle Tom. What a self-loathing bigot. We can make a citizen's arrest when the United States government will not do their job. According to the Constitution, we have that right. And I want to say I don't obey the white man's law. I don't follow the American law. The American law, the American law does not protect me, Anderson. I'm not a citizen. I tried to find something I could agree with this dude on, though. How about this? But we want the United States government to do their job. But if y'all would do the job, we wouldn't be here today. Hey, that kind of sounds like Jan Brewer when she says that Arizona has the right to protect its border when the government won't do its job. I think Jan Brewer could be the leader of the new Black Panther Party. She could be the Grand Cougar. I'm Alfonso Rachel with Zonation, where my prayers go out to Trayvon's family, and I hope they can see the exercise and exploitation and how liberals and Afrocentrics are trying to make a name and a dime off her son. Liberals claim to hate opportunism so much, but are pretty much always the worst offenders. According to the street people's law, he has been charged with murder. According to the what? All right. Welcome. Welcome, folks to another fun-filled and informative historical hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I see we have a full house in the chat room tonight. I love it. Love it a lot. You know, when I think of my main man, Zoe, um, who I just met uh, recently, uh, I can't help but think about my other main man, G-Ski, because they speak this pretty much the same kind of way. Uh, very intelligent, um, you know, uh, and, and very persuasive in their arguments in, in an intelligent yet humorous way. I think that G Ski should uh, hook up with my main man Zoe and kind of do their thing uh, on uh, PJTV because I think that uh, you know <laughs> they're they're pretty much the, the same kind of guys. Very uh, intelligent, uh, very easy to to to, uh, to listen to when, in terms of getting their message across in a an intelligent but humorous way. Uh, so, uh, um, G Ski, I, I see you're in the house in the chat room. Check out Zoe if you don't know uh, Zoe uh, and who Zoe is. I can I'll connect you with him, but I suspect you know all about him. All right. Now, as to um, as to Zoe's point, I brought this up a f- couple of times in previous blog, blog talk shows. But first, let's do some housekeeping here. Today's date, April twenty fourth, already two thousand twelve. Beautiful old town Alexandria. I'm your host, Doctor C. Robert Jones, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. All right. After a bloody weekend plagued by gun violence, shooting this weekend suggests that firearm access in Chicago remains a significant source of the city's homicide spike, Chicago Tribune article. It's very true that guns don't kill people. People kill people using guns. If guns killed people, There would be a bloodbath around here because I've got more guns than you can shake a stick at. I've got enough guns for a small platoon, well, for a regular-sized platoon. So guns don't kill people. Bad people 
kill bad people. The Chicago police witnessed a man firing three shots into the head of a man laying on the ground. Later identified as 58-year-old James Riddick of the 700 block East 87th Place. Just before 11.30 p.m. Wednesday, Chicago Sun-Times reports. Remember I told you about 87th, Halsted, 79th, 119th, we talked about it. My old neighborhood. Young Trayvons, old Trayvons are being killed every single day. Chicago street and gang violence are is at an all-time high in my city. The same place where our president, Barack Hussein Obama, did his um, community act, community whatever the hell he was doing, those same streets sees a massive amount of violence every single day. Yet Al Sharpton does not march. The new Black Panther Party does not march. Because if they did, they'd probably be shot down like dogs by other black folks. Blacks are killing blacks at an alarming rate. Yet, when a supposed white man does a really dumb thing and shoots an unarmed man, it's all racist now. Folks are marching Justice for Trayvon, that clown, Bobby Rush, former Black Panther, wearing a hoodie on the House floor. He is from Chicago, just like me. And I know the district that he comes from. It's the same district I grew up in. Does he walk around that district with a hoodie on? I highly doubt it. But that's what we're talking about here. The hypocrisy is alarming. Black folks are quick to jump on the racist bandwagon. Earlier today, I was watching MeTV. And I kept thinking about an episode of the 1973 TV show Kojak, the Marcus Nelson murders. Homicide detective Kojak suspects that the black teenager accused of murdering two white girls is being framed by his fellow detectives. And the case gets a lot of media attention. Politics and careers enter the mix. The frightened, accused black kid pleads his innocence to Detective Kojak, who believes him. Kojak educates the defendant, however, to the cold, hard truth and the facts. He informs the kid that despite his innocence... The case has become such a political hot potato. And because the police held the kid in jail for such a long time, he must be found guilty of something. Can't just let him go. I see this same scenario developing in the Martin Zimmerman case. Most Americans desire a fair and just outcome when it comes to this tragedy. I myself, without knowing all the facts, believe that Zimmerman should have been charged at the least, well, at the most, rather, with manslaughter. Just until all the facts came out and a proper uh, hearing was held. But Lord help us if the evidence proves that Zimmerman is innocent. If Zimmerman is ruled not guilty and allowed to walk, I foresee Rodney King-type riots in the streets. New Black Panthers, Old Black Panthers, Gray Panthers, uh, Cougars, Hawks, Buzzards. This is Zimmerman's fate already sealed. Will a jury decide that Zimmerman must be declared guilty of something? While Al Sharpton, the New Black Panthers, Jesse Jackson... And Bobby Rush and all of the other racist, race-hustling, usual suspects clamor for justice for Trayvon Martin. I wonder if justice is even possible for Mr. Zimmerman. Tragically and frighteningly, we live in a time in which the law 
the law and truth appears to be losing relevance here in the United States of America, our great country, our great nation. For example, clearly the individual mandate in Obamacare is unconstitutional. And yet, Obama believes he can bully the Supreme Court to rule in his favor because he believes that the mandate's a good thing. Think about that. The president is pressuring U.S. Supreme Court justices to bend the truth and the law to suit his desires, Obama. The president who would be king or ruler or emperor or dictator. For years, Democrats have been trying to abort the thorn in the side, stumbling blocks of their socialist agenda known as the U.S. Constitution. Who could have imagined that deceiving the American people into putting a black Trojan horse, extreme left liberal, into the Oval Office would get her done? If Obama successfully forces U.S. Supreme Court justices to succumb to his political correct interpretation of the law and ruled Obamacare constitutional, Setting such a president could mean that so-called, quote, white Hispanic, end quote, George Zinnemann is toast. How the, hell do, how the hell are you a white Hispanic? Does that make me a black Hispanic because my mom is Hispanic and my dad's black? I don't know. I just went off in the left field with that one. What it would mean is that facts, truth, and the law are no longer relevant. Only what people and mob, whatever they want, that's what rules the day. Regardless of if the evidence proves otherwise, Zimmerman will be found guilty of something to avoid riots in the streets. We're talking political correctness on steroids. Now, I have visited Sanford, Florida many times. It is a very small, very sleepy town, not very far from the ocean, really nice beaches, and a whole lot of black folks. It's the kind of small town you go into, and you're expecting it to be lily white, and you're wondering, hey, I'm coming into this small town. All these white folks are going to be staring at me because I'm the only black here in town. But the town is such a nice little town. But it's got a very large black population to be so far from Miami, so far from Orlando, Daytona, all the major Florida cities. It's just a small, sleepy town. And I feel bad that it has been overrun by all these crazy weirdos. If Obama successfully forces the Supreme Court justices to succumb to his political correct interpretation of the law and rule Obamacare constitutional, we're in a lot of trouble. So, with that in mind, we're going to take, well, we'll take a short break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more about this Trayvon Martin business. And then we'll get into, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about Mr. Obama for a little bit. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We'll be right back. Good morning, January 20th, 2017, the last day of Barack Obama's eight years as president. Eight tough years for many as unemployment continues climbing. With debt to China reaching record levels, some analysts believe the Chinese have overtaken the United States. Eight years ago, we were promised hope. Today, many believe their American dream has been lost. The Republican National Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising. Obama promised us a better economy, but he gave us bigger government, higher taxes, and skyrocketing debt. 2.5 million jobs lost, largest deficit in history, 14.3 trillion national debt. The picture is clear. Nobody's looking to raise taxes right now. 
We're talking about potentially 2013. We can't afford four more years of Barack Obama. Help America change direction. The Republican National Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising. I remember America. Sure, you can still find it on a map, but nobody older than 20 thinks this is America. Even if coordinates are the same, we've lost our compass. You don't have a direction without reference, the true north. For America, it was liberty. When we lost the love of liberty, our understanding of liberty, it was just a matter of time before the rest of it was lost. Some think it started when the auto companies were nationalized, or the police state to control the internet, or when certain companies couldn't fail because their relationship with politicians made them too big to fail, and the rest of us, without political influence, were too small to succeed. Sure, that all happened pretty quickly. There were just a couple of years, but liberty had been gradually devolving for decades. Some of the more astute, like Ayn Rand, saw it about 50 years before others. She warned us, but people didn't believe it could happen here until it did. Laws had been used to loot productive individuals and businesses, but in the new millennium, under Bush and Obama, graft, corruption, and crony capitalism were no longer hidden behind closed doors. The looters and their laws came out of hiding like rabid animals that were no longer afraid of humans. It was brought into the spotlight, and it was celebrated as enlightened economic policy. Ayn Rand asked the question and Atlas Shrugged that the rest of us were asking 60 years later. Which failing financial institution will the administration pluck from the flames of crisis? And which will it let roast? Which market or investment technique will the regulators bless? And which, in a capricious change of rules, will it condemn or outlaw? As John Galt said in his radio address, You decided you had a right to your wages, but we had no right to our profits. You called it selfish and cruel that men should trade value for value. But you've now established an unselfish society where they trade extortion for extortion. People who had never produced or managed anything tried to manage every aspect of our lives, and they brought production to a standstill. And eventually, they decided to micromanage the food supply in the name of fairness, safety. And we all know what happened then. Fiction can be a powerful influence, for good or bad. It's too bad more people didn't read Atlas Shrugged. They might have realized where this was heading. Why is Ayn Rand's great novel Atlas Shrugged a bestseller today, more than half a century after it was written? It's because our real world today is just like the fictional future that Rand foresaw in Atlas Shrugged. It's a time of crisis and decay, but it's also a world of innovation and achievement. It's a world of heroes and villains, driven by very different philosophies. We wrote I Am John Galt to tell their stories. We look at the heroic innovators who are building our world and show that they're doing it just like the heroes of Ayn Rand's novels. They're using her philosophy of capitalism, reason, objective reality, and self-interest. Who is John Galt? Meet John Allison, the mild-mannered Southerner who created one of America's greatest banking empires. He did it with Ayn Rand's philosophy by getting every one of his tens of thousands of employees to read Atlas Shrugged and live by its code. In the great financial crisis of 2008, his bank was about the only one that didn't need a government bailout. But the government forced Allison to take TARP money anyway. After that, Allison walked away, just like John Galt did. There's so many other Rand heroes in our midst. There's Bill Gates, the genius who built the world's greatest company and the world's greatest personal fortune, only to have his own government call him a criminal for succeeding too much. Isn't he just like Hank Reardon from Atlas Shrugged? And how about Steve Jobs, the brilliant entrepreneur who reinvented computers, movies, music, telephones, just because he thought it was so cool. He's got the same attitude toward life as Howard Rourke from Rand's other great novel, The Fountainhead. Build it, and I don't care if they come. You'll meet some real-life Rand villains in our book, too. The parasites who are trying to destroy the world. Remember Wesley Mooch from Atlas Shrugged, the corrupt bureaucrat who destroyed the economy? That's Congressman Barney Frank, who spent years subsidizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the name of altruism. When Fannie and Freddie nearly wrecked the U.S. housing market, what did Frank do? Just like Mooch, he demanded wider powers. 
and you'll meet Paul Krugman, the rabid partisan pundit who spreads socialism from the pages of the New York Times and thinks nothing of using the power of the press to destroy his political enemies. He's Ellsworth Toohey, the scheming, dwarfish newspaper columnist straight from the pages of the Fountainhead. These are some of the heroes and villains who move our world. So who is John Galt? I am. You can be too. Read our book and find out how. All right, welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. You know, there's always somebody who thinks that they're smarter than me. I just received a text from my good friend Priscilla, who wrote something ludicrous, that there are no beaches in Sanford, Florida, that Sanford, Florida is in the middle of the state. Priscilla, 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 listen, Toots, anything, any town that is east of I-95, along I-95, is near the ocean. That's a rule. Anything west or on the left of I-95 as you're going north is in the middle of the state. Okay? Thank you. All right. (laughs) We're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I hope I set my girl straight. Let her know what's going on. She didn't study. She's a great gal, but she obviously she didn't study uh, you know the map very well before she started shooting off. But hey, you know I thought that when Zimmerman was able to post that hundred fifty that hundred fifty k bail, that folks were going to say that there's some sort of conspiracy to get him off because how could a man who basically has no job, no visible means of support, post such a large bail. Hmm. Since Zimmerman posted that large bail, though, we have a few shocking tweets calling for violence against him. One, I'm going to kill Zimmerman myself. Where he at? Obviously, this person didn't study either. Another one. I think I'm going to personally kill George Zimmerman. Anyone welcome to join me? Let go. I guess that's let's go. He, uh, This person is... These people are only succeeding in killing one thing. The English language. Another one. I would kill the shite... Atta dat Zimmerman dude if I saw his ass. <laughs> Another tweet. Someone passed me a gun. I'ma go follow Zimmerman, shoot and kill him, and say I'ma stand my ground. Okay. Another one. Let's kill that Zimmerman. Well, that's good. Last but certainly not least, George Zimmerman released from jail, 150 bail, WTF. Nigga, you are about to die. Start writing your wheel. <sighs> It's it's so tragic. It's actually funny in a tragic, tragic sort of way. Now, my man Zoe talked about the six Trayvons that got knocked off in one way or another. One of the Trayvons was killed in Afghanistan recently. 
There are no tweets of these Trayvons for these other Trayvons. There are no tweets for the 14 black, young black men, uh, ages ranging 13 through 24, who were killed, murdered by other black men over the course of last month alone. There were no marches. There were no. There was no outrage. Oh, the injustice. I heard one lady say that, and I quote, I'm tired of watching young black men die. Uh, okay. I wonder if she said that like a couple of weeks before Trayvon was was killed when so many young black men throughout the country were being killed and murdered by other black men and women. Okay, I think we have gotten that out of the way. We've talked about Mr. Trayvon. It's an unfortunate tragedy, and I'm saddened by it. But now, I think we need to let justice play out and move on to the next topic. Earlier today, I had the the privilege of appearing on Southern Census Show as a fill-in host for my main man, Cool Mike. And on her show was the author, James D. Best, author of Principled Action. I have a copy of the book here, right here on my desk, and I haven't had time to really get into it but it's a great read. I strongly suggest you pick up a copy. I'm going to go ahead and put his his link in the in the chat room um so you can uh take a look at some of his work. Wow. I mean, uh he is you know, he didn't want to really be put in the same category with Gore Vidal, one of my favorite authors. But this particular book reminds me a lot of Gore's work. And I mean that as a compliment. It's a really cool book. Anyway, I ran out. I had to I had to actually go and get the book in paperback. I mean in, in, in hard copy. So I'm very pleased to have it. And uh and I was very uh you know I felt I felt uh, privileged to uh to have been on uh Annie's show, Southern Sense's show to um to talk about uh to talk about his books um i'm 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 going to be a fan now i'm i'm, I'm going to be a fan of his work from here on out and my main man g ski has a show on blog talk radio comes on right after mine um so i'm really happy to have you know all the great folks in the chat room right now uh Let's um, let's take this in a different direction and start talking about you know who. There's an article in the American Thinker titled titled Obama the Lion King. <laughs> I think it's a clever title, and the article is written by Lloyd Marcus a really cool blogger who blogs in uh, on the American Thinker. He goes on to read a little something like this. I put the link up in the chat room, but for those of you who are listening on other devices, I'll go ahead and give you a little bit of what the book says, uh, the, uh, the article reads. I confess to being almost or amongst those who have said Obama voters are stupid. Unquestionably, Obama's re-election campaign strategy is designed to appeal to the stupid our sin nature, and the lowest common denominator of our character. Obama thrives on putting the have-nots against the haves. Obama divides Americans by demonizing the haves. Obama's rhetoric proclaims that the masses have too little because the rich have too much. Can we get real for a moment? Those so-called poor in America live pretty damn well. 
two, three big screen TVs, cable, two, three cars. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Alongside race, black hate, and white guilt, Obama is exploiting the sin of covertness, covertiousness, damn, to get reelected. Indeed, Obama does not want to talk about his record because his record is abysmal, just like his voting record was in the Senate and in the state Senate in Chicago. He has no substance to run on. Obama is pulp fiction, for sure. The emperor with no clothes, buck naked, and the man behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz. The guy is an empty suit. I am telling you, he is pulp. Pulp fiction. He has no real record to run on. When are you, when are you folks, like my girl Priscilla, and so many other people going to get it? The guy is empty calories. The only thing that he's done is what? Uh, uh, abolish don't ask don't tell and his ridiculous health care bill and drive us five trillion dollars in debt in less than four years time what else can he say he's done he hasn't done anything but yet he lies he'll lie to you he'll spin the truth and he'll throw out blame 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 and more blame he is buck naked as 2020 just put in the chat room Buck naked. But there are those out there in the media, the mainstream media, who are low to, to tell him as he struts, Emperor, you ain't got no clothes on. You're naked. No, they'll tell him, oh, you're brilliant. He's the most brilliant president, as his wife put it. And boy, I tell you what, I wish I had a wife like Michelle that tells me that I brought anything out of the darkness from out of the darkness into the light except my naked ass. Which you don't want to see. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what right here and now. <laughs> he his wife Michelle said that he brought the darkness out into the light. He brought us out of the darkness into the light. What kind of light is that? Is it that light you, that some folks see as they're dying that they shouldn't go to, that they should kind of stay away from for as long as possible? That kind of light? That death light? What kind of light is she saying he's brought us out into? And my man John Boehner, I mean, he just put it down. He put it out there so everybody could understand that Barack Hussein Obama is a blight on this great nation. That dude has got to go. And I find, <laughs> and I think that John Boehner really I think that he just he just put it out there to the point where there's no way you can you can mistake what he's trying to tell us here. Can you imagine? Let's just take one listen to what John Boehner had to say. House Speaker John Boehner, in an interview with Fox News, accused Barack Obama of employing the politics of envy and division in his bid for a second White House term. Take a listen. alert right now. Voters in five states heading to polls today. It's primary day for them. New York, Pennsylvania among the five. And as that happens, uh, we sit down with one of the most powerful members of Congress, Speaker of the House John Boehner. Uh, we talked to him about the campaign in 2012, Mitt Romney, and where he feels our country is headed if President Obama wins a second term. Speaker Boehner, good morning to you. 
Bill, good to be with you. Terrific being back with you. For, you know, for a man whose title is speaker, you don't speak very often uh, in this forum. So it's good to have you back, though, and good morning to you. Last week, you called this election the most important of your lifetime. You. Why? I've been around a while. So I think the president's uh, economic policies have failed. Uh, I would argue they actually have made things worse. And as a result, uh, the problem, uh, the president, uh, has turned to the politics of envy and division. Now, this is not, uh, this is not, in my opinion, the right way to run uh, for re-election. Uh, Republicans have, have a plan to get America going again, get American people back to work, uh, and, uh, and and that's why I believe uh, that uh, this election is so important. With the America, America can't live for four more years uh, with Barack Obama's president. His policies. Uh, will turn America in a direction that we may never recover from. Uh, the size, scope of government, the debt uh, that hangs over our economy. Uh, it's when the president and I would have disagreements uh, in our uh, discussions last summer. There'd be times when it was pretty clear that we were uh, miles apart. He'd look over at me and say, "John, that's what elections are for." I look at the president and I go, "Yes, Mr. President, that's what elections are for." Those statements are dire. Now, the, the, the inference that you're making is that four more years of Barack Obama is sending America down a, a, a deep, dark hole. It's sending America down a path uh, that uh, will look a lot like what we see in Europe. A big social welfare state, uh, high unemployment, slow economic growth, and a government uh, that is overly large. You know, if you have a government that can give you everything that you want, you have a government big enough to take everything that you have. Will Republicans keep the House? Uh, I believe that we will, but we've got a real challenge. We've got 50 uh, of our members uh, in tough races, 89 freshmen running for, for their first reelection. That's a lot. And, uh, and we have 32 districts uh, that are in states uh, where there's no presidential campaign going to be run, no big Senate race. And uh, we call these orphan districts. Uh, you take uh, 18 of them, California, Illinois, and New York, uh, where you know, we're not likely to do well at the top of the ticket. And, uh, and those districts are, are, frankly, pretty vulnerable. I did not hear you say that I can guarantee that we keep the House. I, yeah, I did not you, say that. Correct. No. Are you hedging a little bit on this? Or you know, I'd is say there a lack a, of confidence? I'd say, no, is, I'd say there's a two and three chance that we win uh, control of the House again. Uh, but there's a one in three chance that we could lose. And I'm being myself, Frank. We've got a big challenge, and we've got work to do. How's Mitt Romney doing, do you think? Uh, you know, I think he's doing fine. After coming through uh, what clearly was a pretty bruising primary, uh, for his numbers to be uh, in close proximity to the president, I think is a very good sign. How do you size him up politically? What, what are his strengths and weaknesses, you know, as you sit here some six and a half months away? Listen, Mitt Romney uh, has a great story to tell. Uh, his success story is an American success story. Uh, and, uh, and I would go out there and talk about his story and how uh, what he wants to do is to make those opportunities available to every American. Uh, but to do that, you know, we've got to rein in the size and scope uh, and reach of Washington, D.C. You're suggesting that's what he should do, or he's done, is that because he has not done that enough to this point? No, he's certainly done an awful lot of it, but I think his, his economic background, his background in creating jobs uh, and creating investment uh, that would help create more jobs uh, is exactly the right message uh, that the voters want to hear in this November. Mm -hmm. The election's going to be a referendum on the president's economic policies, pure and simple. Now, the president's going to try to make the election about everything other than his economic policies, but the American people vote with their wallet. All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. What about that? Speaker Boehner doesn't seem overly confident that uh, the Republicans will retain the House. He doesn't even seem overtly enthusiastic about whether Mitt Romney will will win the White House. And do you agree that four more years of Obama will pretty much ruin the United States of America? You know, 
as you may well know, I am no fan of Barack Hussein Obama's. None, mind you. None. But I find it difficult to fathom that one man in eight years can irreversibly destroy the United States of America. We still have checks and balances. We still have the House. We have a good deal of the Senate. And there's still the Supreme Court. And there are other checks and balances. I find it difficult to believe that this one man can systematically dismantle the Constitution, our government, this country. I can't imagine that Americans will allow that to happen. So is all of this talk about America not being able to survive four more years of Barack Obama uh, is just uh, motivational tactics to get us out, to get us out to vote, to, to say, hey, get on out there? Because we can't, we can, we won't survive this guy. I think America is much more resilient than that. But that's just what I think, and I've been known to be wrong once or twice. It's possible, but is it possible that Barack Hussein Obama can destroy this nation all by himself? Well, using signing statement, executive orders, and such, and through his regulatory czars and all that. He's got eight years. The next guy, if he is Republican, can simply come in and wipe all of Obama's shenanigans away with the stroke of a pen or two. Am I right? Am I off base here? So I don't think that this guy's smart enough. Honestly. I don't think that he is smart enough, clever enough. I don't think he's ruthless enough to completely dismantle this country in eight years. Although, I think he is dumb enough to try. I do. I think he is just dumb enough to try. He is just stupid enough, a president, a human being, to believe, just arrogant enough to think that he can systematically dismantle the Constitution in this country and all that we really stand for. Because as improbable as it is, he became President of the United States with absolutely blank piece of paper for a resume. No brains, none, mind you. No real intellect. When you've got to read from a teleprompter in front of six or seven people, Obviously, you're not a you're not a, you're not the brightest bulb. Benjamin Netanyahu stood in front of uh, Congress, spoke to the whole Congress for 45 minutes, barely looked down at a couple of notes he had in his hand, did not use a teleprompter at all. Why isn't he being labeled a genius and the Messiah? If Benjamin Netanyahu can give a rousing, heartfelt speech for 45 minutes without a teleprompter without the use of even looking at notes, well, what kind of genius does that make Barack Hussein Obama? We have a call on the line. Caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. we got a few minutes, hey. a couple of minutes. That's cool, Mike. Just, uh, Mike. just a quick comment. First of all, thanks for uh, thanks for co-piloting today with Annie. Um, when uh, Bernard Goetz had his troubles on the subway in New York, Ronald mm -hmm. Reagan basically said, uh, he says, I can never condone anyone who takes the law into his own hands, but let the, let the courts, or let the investigation uh, take its part, and then he'd comment on it, um, mm -hmm. or something along those lines. He wasn't so quick to judgment. And also, comparing Barack Obama to Benjamin Netanyahu as far as speaking, I mean, that's like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you 
taken in the town there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Benjamin Netanyahu is a much better speaker. Uh, President President Obama, uh, he's got to rely a lot on his uh, on his good looks and the non visible non visible physical parts of his body because uh, definitely his brain and his speaking ability is it's definitely not Newt Gingrich, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. But you know, we're talking about this, but I'd like to talk about something I think is even more important than what you just said. And that is, on the Skype here, I see a picture of you in a nice tux and a nice suit, standing next to some of the hottest women I've ever seen in my entire life. How did you manage that? Um, on the advice of counsel, mm-hmm. I invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege on, right. the, on the grounds that it may incriminate me. <laughs> some of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Yeah, oh my goodness. All right, well, thanks <laughs> Thanks a lot, Cool Mike. All right, Doc. I'm, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, <clears throat> I may have just, uh, I may have just uh, 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 put, uh, put uh, Cool Mike on the spot. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. You guys are great. Thank you so much for being here. Some new faces, uh, uh, judgments in the house. Of course, Cool Mike, Evil Clown, 2020, Alexander Solo, all the usual suspects. You guys are great. Thank you for coming in tonight. I really do appreciate it. Um, Have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about more issues of the day. Uh, Oh, the Wounded Warrior Project. Don't forget about it. Southern uh, Sense put it up in the chat room. She's going to have a show on Thursday and 2 p.m. and be there or be square uh, at 4 oh i'm sorry 4 p.m. please be there uh uh it's going to be great it's going to be great uh don't forget the wounded warrior project it's it's important i got all my marines on it some of my marines are going to be spreading the information around out there and getting it out to the troops we're going to have some stuff going on over at camp lejeune we're going to have some marines over at pendleton on the west coast and they're going to be putting the word out. So it's going to be great. Once again, thank everybody for listening. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. (sighs) I'm out. Everything's all right. Try not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's all right? Yes, everything's fine. And we want you to sleep well tonight. Let the world turn without you tonight. If we try, we'll get by, so forget all about us tonight. Everything's all right, yes, everything's all right, yes. Sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you, and anoint you. For your hot forehead Then you feel everything's alright Yes, everything's fine And it's cool and the ointment's sweet For the fire in your head and feet Close your eyes, close your eyes And relax, think of nothing tonight Hey, hey, woman, you're fine Why has it been wasted? We could have raised maybe 300 silver pieces or more. People who are hungry, people who are starving, they matter more than your feet and hands. To get worried, try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's all right? Yes, everything's all right. Yes. Surely you're not saying we have the resources to save the poor from their lot. There will be poor always, pathetically struggling. Look at the good things you've got. Think while you still have me move, while you still see me. You'll be lost and you'll be sorry when I'm gone. Sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you and annoy.
Close your eyes. 